This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. All right, and welcome to episode number 256 of Youpreneur FM, and yes... Her Royal Highness is here. Pamela Slim makes her debut on the show today. I cannot believe it's taken 256 episodes to get it here, but she's here nonetheless, and it's going to be a great, great conversation. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding, profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today for more info. Now, some of you might know of Pamela via her first best-selling book entitled Escape from Cubicle Nation, which actually won the best book uh, award in the small business category by um, 800 CEO Reads back in 2009. It sounds like such a long time ago, but it's such an important book. We talk about that. We talk about Body of Work, her latest book, which is a few years old now. But we actually dive very deeply into a project that's been very near and dear to Pam's heart for quite some time and how she's building out a learning slash experimenting uh, environment in Mesa where she lives, where people are, where small business owners are going to come and learn and experiment and see what works and what doesn't and ultimately build great businesses as a massive result. I have a huge amount of respect for Pamela, and I mean that genuinely, a massive amount of respect. She's somebody who not only knows what she's talking about, first and foremost, but she's got this empathy that she brings to everything that she does for entrepreneurs that just makes her really, really addictive. I know you're going to become addicted to it just like I am, and here is my conversation with Pamela. Enjoy, enjoy. It's such a good one. So, Pam, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here. I feel I've been remiss in my duties as a podcaster because I cannot believe I'm having serious problems accepting the fact that this is the first time you're on this show after we've known each other for as long as we have. I've been holding I'll forgive out. you if you forgive yourself. Okay, you know? good. Very good. It was worth waiting 256 episodes just to get to this point in time. And we're we recording, I should say to everybody tuning in, we're recording this via video. You won't see the video because the podcast is audio only. But I get the opportunity to just stare into these incredibly piercing blue eyes for the next 20 to 30 minutes as Pamela Slim is going to drop value bombs on us from great, great heights. You have got a lot of really 
awesome, fun, exciting stuff going on that you've been kind of working on for a while. And, you know, a lot of the people that tune in to Youpreneur FM are kind of old school brick and mortar business owners. They're always people that have got a lot of experience under the belt. They're building businesses based around them, their experience, their personality, what they stand for, the people they want to work with, and so on and so on. You like so many amazing people in this industry of ours, you personify all of that. Um, and I'm, I mean, like, let us know what you've been up to over the last, you know, year or so, because some of it is just, it's so good. I can't wait to get into this. Give me, give me it all. Give me all. Yes. Well, for those folks listening, because you know, when you're in business, like you said, people get into it for so many reasons. And very often there's this tiny corner of the internet where everybody runs around and gets excited with each other about this new frontier. I call it Narnia. (laughs) Anybody who loves the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, which is just, we we get excited about new ways we can deliver content, but you forget that the small business segment globally is a huge, huge, huge sector. And we're really in this crazy, wonderful revolution of helping this sector to develop. It's in the US, it's like 53% of the non-farm gross domestic product is small business. You know, that creates 99.7% of all new jobs. Wow, I did not know it was Isn't that, that crazy? Big. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. And then we call it small, which of course, <laughs> you know, it, it's not just like one person in the, in the kitchen, right. right, with a laptop, but it, you know, that can be up to 500 employees or something like that. But, you know, the point is it's a huge sector. And like all sectors, part of what I looked at, I'm a total nerd. Like I love I, my, the first 10 years of my business was a training and development performance consultant. So I love really figuring out like how you actually solve problems. My, the first part was solving problems in organizations. You know, can people actually work together effectively? In small business, starting with Escape from Cubicle Nation, I was looking at how can people leave corporate to start a business? And there's just all this stuff you need to do. But then after a while, I don't know if you notice it, we get in this rhythm and this pattern with the way that small business providers, that could be coaches, consultants, all of us trying to do good and help people grow. We have like three things that we do, like buy my class, attend my workshop, you know, go to a mastermind. And those are great. I do those. You can get great value from those. But I think having this gigantic sector of what we're, we're talking about, right, for our economy, we can be much more creative about ways that we actually solve problems in that sector. So I moved from being, you know, I've always had an outside office, but I opened an incubator downtown Mesa, Arizona, which is like Main Street everywhere. Literally, I'm on Main Street. And we're setting up a learning laboratory where we're going to be like the crazy tinkering experimenters not just with local business owners, which of course will be engaging, but also with people virtually. So anybody listening who's interested, just give a holler. We're going to have lots of opportunity for people to test. And we're going to be focusing on probably five main small business problems a year that we just did a huge survey. Top one, not surprising, was I need more customers. <laughs> Second one, it was cash flow was killing me. Like how many times have you heard that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we just want to dig in and first like define the problem in a way that helps us understand like what the problem even is and then test and try a whole bunch of different things. And also then to become a laboratory for people who do serve the market to say, right, let's say you have some new program and you just want people to break it, right? And give feedback and figure out how it can be better before you release it to the general public. I love that. And so that's what it is that we're that we're laying down here, just a place to, you know, provide solutions, come up with new ideas, innovate, and really accelerate the whole small business sector. So 
from from a I, I guess sort of from a a workflow perspective with this when you were putting this together did you i mean you know you've you say you've done you know a lot of surveys and you've teamed up with you know the uh cloud software association to do that and all that kind of stuff like were you doing these surveys as a direct result of saying i want to do this but first i'm going to validate everything first or did you kind of kickstart things a little bit and then say, hang on, we need to find out a little bit more about the market. Let's go ahead and start doing these surveys. I'm curious to know what, what way was it, one or the other? Mm-hmm. So the first year, before we did a survey, we, we launched the survey um, this year. I opened September of 2016. So the first year was actually tons and tons of just local community engagement. Right. So okay. not Good. surveys, but just meeting with people. Old school validation. Asking them what they needed, right? Checking in with them. Because that's the way that I was trained. I, my, my major was actually in community development, believe it or not. You know, okay. it just suddenly dawned on me like, oh, I wonder why I love community building so much. Maybe since I've been doing it since I'm like 18, right? right, right in college. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of the philosophy of good engagement is you don't show up with a solution. You spend a lot of time figuring out what it is that's actually going on, right? Who's already here? Who's doing good work? And I've done the same thing virtually, talking to clients all the time, right? People that I work with. So then we did the survey. It's actually, it's called an attitudinal segmentation survey. And my friend Susan Beyer has a specialty in this area, is kind of renowned in the world for it. So it looks specifically, in this case, at attitudes people have toward obstacles. Hmm. So when you think about it, you know, obstacles are inevitable, right? Everybody can know what we should do. If we want to lose weight, we eat less, move more, right? Many of us know that. <laughs> but very often, many of it's us the ignore obstacle. it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Everybody knows we should like probably market and sell more if we want to make more money. Right. But the fact is, there's these obstacles that come up, and they're actually really distinct attitudes that people have toward obstacles, which can either help them or inhibit them from overcoming, you know, from overcoming and having success. So this has never been studied in academically valid format before. So that was one segment of what we wanted to look at, because it's a really helpful tool for those folks who are working with others, where you can figure out what is the attitude that somebody has, and then how, based on what you know that is, how can you work with them? How can you communicate to them? How can you market to them? really different attitudinal segments. And then there's all kinds of other data, which is what are your problems? I also did a lot of research for my next book, which is about ecosystems, which is, you know, who, what are your favorite podcasts? We'll see if you showed up in there. Uh, what are your favorite products and influencers and books and all that kind of stuff too. Cool. Okay, good. So um, I, I, love, I love that you're working on another book as well. Before we started recording, I pulled out a dusty copy of <laughs> of escape from Hubicle Nation, which I believe this was your first book. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? That's right. Okay, yep. and then and then obviously you've got Body of Work, which came out a few years ago as well. Between the two, my easily my favorite was Escape, without a doubt. But it was quite funny as 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 Pam and I were talking before we kicked off the conversation i you know in preparation of of moving later on this year i um i was kind of you know i'm starting to clean up now i'm not going to do it all in one week before i get out of here so kind of cleaning up going through the the bookshelf and i pull out this book and i'm like holy moly this is quite serendipitous i'm speaking to her next week i'm going to pull this out stick it on the side of the desk so i can wave it in front of her face when when uh when when i speak with her 
And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that as I picked that book up and I started to kind of just, you know, what it's like after you haven't read, you haven't even opened the book for years and years, you flick through it and you, you know, a couple of the headlines catch you and you sort of start reading the odd paragraph here and there. And I just kept, I said to myself, holy crap, this is still such a bloody good book like you could literally launch it again tomorrow pam and it would be a massive success all over again how does that feel to know that your work i mean the follow-up body of work right i mean we can touch on that in a minute but how how does it feel to know that something that you did what 12 years ago now no uh is it 12 years? Yeah, it, it, well, it, uh, no, I launched the years. blog. I launched the blog 12 years ago. Okay. But yeah, the book came out in 2009. Okay. Yeah. So 8 years ago, you launched this book. Almost 9 years ago, you launched the book. Mm-hmm. And how does it feel to know that it's still so darn relevant now? It, it's it's really it's very satisfying. And to me, you know, inherent satisfaction that I have in thinking about work is really the impact that it has on somebody. It's kind of the very cool, unique thing. I think about the book, the fact that it can sit on somebody's shelf. Um, I actually have one of my friends, Andy Kwok that, um, lives in Paris that found it in a garbage can in Paris. And so that, that's how he first found Escape from Cubicle Nation. <laughs> that's how we first connected. Hey, it doesn't matter it, how they get it as long as they get it, right? Right? Who, who cares? <laughs> it, it is, it's able to travel just given the well-established tracks that we have for getting books in hands of people in places and in ways for a really small amount of money that can actually be delivering like the best thought that you have about how to do something. It is magic to me. It's really the same magic I think I felt when I read fiction books when I was a kid. But it's really funny, you know, there, there are so many situations um, that are just satisfying knowing that it had its intended impact. I don't know if you feel this way when you're writing your books, but I always really think about who I'm writing it for, and I think about what's my intention when somebody reads the book for what they do. For Escape, it was either people were like, oh my God, this is so much more complicated than I thought. Like, I really should reconsider. Maybe I should keep my job and wait a little bit because I wanted to be very realistic about it. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I wanted somebody to say, oh my gosh, there actually is a path and a way out. And I've, I've literally talked to like tens of thousands of people based on the book being out there who have been able to do it. There's a woman named Daryl in the Philippines um, who contacted me because she read my book and then she launched, she was working for an um, architecture firm and she launched her firm Dream Architects, which is in the Philippines. And now she has multiple employees. And on Facebook, I see all the buildings that she's designed and built all over the place. And like, is there anything better than that? It's just great that it can be an enduring, you know, enduring legacy. So I always tell my clients when they're working on stuff in the moment, I don't, you, you may not know this, but when I was writing that book, um, my son was tiny. It was right during the crash, the economic crash. My husband's business was massively affected. So I was literally in full on panic mode, like trying to provide, you know, income for the family, had a tiny baby at home, completely sleep deprived, like totally panicked about what was going to go on. And I was writing a book about the wisdom of quitting your job to start a business. So my dad the told irony, me, he said, the irony, right? And, and, and I, I take that responsibility so seriously. My dad actually told me, you know, this will make you write a better book. It's why it really was a no BS book, because I did not want to say, jump and the net will appear, like no problem, anybody can do it. That is not true. It takes a lot to start a business. So um, in the moment, even if you feel like what you're producing may not, you know, 
you may not feel totally strong about it, you need to keep producing it. You need to write the book or make the video or whatever it is that you're doing because you never know whose hands it's going to land in. I completely agree with you. And I've had countless, you know, situations arise where I've met people who have picked up virtual freedom and, you know, the words, you know, it changed my life. I mean, they're the words that every author wants to hear when they meet somebody who has, you know, picked up and, and, and read their book. Uh, it changed my life. And, and I often talk about the story of the gentleman whose wife, unfortunately, very young mother and wife passed away from cancer. And he was left with, uh, I think, a three-year-old daughter at the time or something along the lines. And I was doing a book signing in New York. And he came up and he was right at the end of this huge line. I'd been signing books for about a, maybe two hours, I think, pretty close to it. I was so blessed. I have such an amazing turnout. And he came out and he said, I I waited until the end because I need to tell you a story. And three minutes later, I was bawling my eyes out on the middle of Fifth Avenue talking to this guy how now because of what he learned from virtual freedom, he has hired VAs in the Philippines so that he can ultimately stop uh, client work and traveling and all this sort of type of stuff and work entirely from home, uh, building out his company. And, and he was, he was some sort of a consultant engineer or something where he could, um, he could basically be at home and take his daughter to school every day and pick her up every day and all this. And I, you know, as a parent, I'm crying my eyes out and I'm like, I can't handle this kind of story in the middle of New York City. Like, this is incredible and you know we launched rise of the upreneur at the upreneur summit as a kind of a pre-launch in november the book comes out in a few maybe four or five weeks from now and i've already two three weeks post event i'm already getting feedback from people saying oh you have no idea what this is going to do to my business i love that stuff how can we how can we not love it right it's the impact. That's that's why we're here, right? Make an impact on people you care about and help make a change that you care about. It's the best, so the let, very best. So, let, so let's get back to this kind of in-person uh, lab that you're putting together. I love the way you're putting mm-hmm. it a laboratory as well. I love it. I mean, you got over 2,000 responses to this survey that you did. Hmm? What were the two or three... And obviously, you've been working with small business owners for a long time, so it might be a little hard to pluck these out. Maybe you can. But what were the two or three big surprises that came out of that survey for you personally? Was there anything super shocking? You know, a couple of things. One of them was just the attitudinal segments themselves. So, you know, as we looked at what some of those segments were, there were there was one segment of people, if you've ever read the book Mindset, kind of classically falls within that growth mindset. They're like, you know what, problems happen, but I can figure them out. Right. You know, like life is good. Then you have a middle segment of people who actually feel like problems happen and all of the problems are their fault. <laughs> Yeah. Like that, that was actually quite stunning. And, and it really made me reflect on a lot of the conversations I've had with some clients where there's some people you just notice are like, oh yeah, it happens, whatever, I can deal with it. But imagine that you consider knowing so many problems are not your fault when you're in business, right? They're just part of the inherent challenge. Not only are you facing that, but you also feel like it's because you are not yourself sufficient. So that's pretty huge. Then you have more of the fixed mindset where people are like, you know what, you got it or you don't. So they're often very close to even asking for help. If they're successful, they think it's because they're a flippin' genius, 
right? <laughs> You've probably seen that. Yeah. Like yeah. very often if you deconstruct it, especially depending on what happens with the economy, you can have the right timing for something and feel like you're a genius. Right. You can have the wrong timing and feel like you're an utter and complete failure. But right. most of the time these folks are saying if it goes right, it's because I'm a genius, right? If it goes wrong, it's because it's not my fault. Um, so that was really helpful, I think, in terms of a segment. The other thing in terms of some of the data about problems people face is that, you know, we had over 100 partners, all kinds of, you know, thought leaders, people who connect with small business owners, the Cloud Software Association that makes many of the apps, you know, FreshBooks and Google and Dropbox and all of those that we use. So we had a really broad segment. 85% about of the respondents said they did not have predictable cash flow from month to month. That's scary. Dude, dude, see, this is systemic, systemic sector problems. These are the kinds of things that got me really fired up saying, imagine the missed potential. Imagine that it's like you're, you know, climbing a hill in a really old car with like a bad clutch that keeps slipping. Imagine how much missed opportunity is happening because you know how it is when people are struggling with cash flow, right? It chokes everything. You can't grow, you can't go. So there are certain things like that that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so pervasive. And again, most people just think, oh, it's just me. Like I'm a screw up. It didn't have a correlation necessarily with how long they've been in business, what age they were, gender, anything like that. It was just very pervasive. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some things that we can start to look at collectively. I mean, we're, we're dry, it's not just with local people. It's going to be, I, always, I keep saying, you know, it's like a global laboratory based in Mesa, Arizona, right? That's kind of where our footprint is. But we're really going to be engaging people from all over because we can come up with some interesting solutions. I'm convinced, especially when you engage people themselves. And the energy is so different when you're just trying to sell something to somebody, right? Our job, of course, is to explain the benefits and how we're the perfect person to do it. And it's the, you know, end to end solution. That's actually not really the reality, and not, not because people are trying to be, you know, pulling one over on somebody, but sometimes it's just the nature of that dynamic when you're trying to sell something versus when you're actually trying to deconstruct what are all the elements that will make somebody be able to actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to do that really objectively, right? So it's not calling people out or anything like that. It's providing more options so that more people have success. So so at, at the... Uh... At the space in there, so obviously you'll be doing workshops, you'll be doing masterclasses, you'll be doing all these other types of things. How are you then going? I mean, a bit of a loaded question, maybe, but how how are you going to reach people outside of that local community? Like, what are your plans in terms of the virtual side of things? I'm curious. So it's not, it really, it really is a laboratory in that we're doing experiments. It's not so much that we're teaching classes. Again, the model is not, we have all the answers you can learn from us. The model is, right, here are these problems. Let's get teams of people, individuals or groups to be testing and trying a whole number of different things. So, right, let's say we look at cash flow and we have, you know, 20 different things that we discover. We want people to test and try and see what works or not. People could be doing that in the Philippines, in the UK, in Uganda, right? Right? Where we're, we're 
through a platform for virtual participants are saying, here's what the experiment is, right? Go off and do this. You can be in a team with other people, right? You can give feedback. We can do Zoom sessions, right? A lot of it we're going to be capturing. We're going to be re-dusting off my podcast that I've actually had for a long time, but I kind of put on ice. So now with the lab, we'll be able to share a lot of these stories and these insights. And so the team locally will be people who are really helping to gather that data. You know, I have researchers. I have a connection with the um, Arizona State University, the Polytechnic University, you know, to kind of get some rigor in how we're, we're processing stuff. Um, and then a lot of people that'll help, like, share the stories. And the way that I see it, because I do have a business as well, is as we go through and we learn some of these things, then for me as a coach, I can say, ooh, okay, here's something we've really discovered that makes so much sense. Like, this makes sense to do a class on this, right. and we're going to use all the best practices we learned, and then that will be available, you know, for, for sale kind of in my store. But a lot of the rest of the tools that we're going to be sharing is just is going to be for the benefit of people serving the small business market or small business owners themselves. I love it. I think it's fantastic. So, okay. God, it's so good. And there's so many opportunities as well, right? To be able to reach so many people around the world. And, uh, yeah. It's one of the reasons why I love the world that we live in now. I mean, it can, it can sometimes be very, very noisy, very confusing, very, uh, uh, you know, I guess just busy and, and, you know, people can slip into procrastination very easily in our world mm-hmm. nowadays as business owners. Oh, I don't want to do that task. I'll, you know, fart around on Facebook for the next 40 minutes instead. I, I'm not a fan of that sort of stuff. And, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I put a massive premium on people that take action. They're the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. But, you know, the flip side of that coin is, oh, crap, if it wasn't for Facebook – we wouldn't have their ad platform, which means we wouldn't be able to get our stuff in front of as many people at such a low rate compared to old school online advertising like AdWords and that kind of, so it's kind of like you've got to, you've got to take the good with the bad. And as long as you, you've got your head screwed on the right way, obviously you'll, you'll be fine. And it's not a race. You know, there's it, it, people are, Thank there's you. so, Thank yeah. You saying that. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. I see. I have a. I'm 51 years old by now. I'm like you know the uh, the oh, elder you, auntie yeah, of the internet. A belt. Okay. Let's. <laughs> can we just say for a second this is mad? I saw this on your site not so long ago. You have a black belt in mixed martial. You're a badass. I, I do. Mean, yes, I, I'm. I'm willing to use it. You know oh, that if, if I need to. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, martial arts were a huge part of my life. I've actually, the last couple of years, I haven't been as engaged. But yeah, I did Capoeira, the Afro-Brazilian martial art for 11 years, totally hardcore. And then in my 40s, I did MMA until I got my black belt. So it's, you know, it's it's all part of the like training and mastery. And I think... You know, to me, I I love it too when people are able to take action and make things. I know I think for me, my ideal folks are people who are doing really significant things to make significant positive change, right? Like really, truly um, big thinkers, people who have you know really interesting initiatives, people who are working on things, and and people have different approach to doing that work. So. It's not, sometimes I can get a little tired, you know, it it can be such a transaction that you can have where everything is just about, you know, conversion and transaction and how fast can you hit six and seven figures and all that. And I'm just thinking 
man, what about, you know, the joy? What about the creativity? What about the craft? And it's not, there's nothing inherently bad with any size scale, with any dollar amount. I've met happy and miserable people who are, who don't have any, many resources and people who have tons of resources, right? But, but there's, there's a, a way, I think something that happens when, people are inculcated in this way of just business as just massive transaction. We have to be on all the time. We have to be, you know, constantly delivering. We actually miss that human connection, right? We miss the way that we can really understand who we are, how we live. Um, we miss the fact that we're actually dealing with real human beings. Like I, sometimes I'm, I, cause I speak, you know, different stages and I hear some of the backstage chatter and sometimes I just get sad, you know, when people are kind of on stage and smiling and then get off stage and are just talking about kind of like how many people they closed in the audience or just, you know, not even really caring about it and not caring about the people who were there. And to me, that is the joy of life is really connecting with the real people, you know, doing something that matters and is significant. And that, so that, sometimes that means messing around on Facebook for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. And I mean, who can say no to, you know, I don't know whether you saw the, the viral video that went around a while ago. It was, uh, I think the guy's an American comedian, actually. I'm pretty sure I've seen him on a stand-up show somewhere. But he had like this little this little lap dog and he was talking about you know at the end of the day i like to come home and just relax and that means petting my little buddy here and he starts kind of petting this this little dog and this dog is just chewing the bejesus out of his fingers and his hand and everything and but but somehow he keeps his composure and he delivers this entire like two minute monologue i I, it's just it's fantastic i'll have to send you the link if you haven't seen it but it was so good and um i think you know we I think we need to do, we need to goof off every now and then. I, I think we need to do it. But to your point of people, you know, doing things sometimes for the wrong reasons, number one, it, it, it's clear in your rhetoric, um, both written and verbally, that you do things for all of the right reasons and to help the right people in the right ways. But, you know, I also feel like, and I said this on, on stage recently, that you cannot compare someone else's 10,000th step with your number 100 step like it, yeah stop comparing yourself it's not a race you don't mm-hmm. have to do it all tomorrow that is the easiest way that's the fastest route to burnout based on mm-hmm. my own personal experience of many years ago i was that guy i was the guy comparing himself to gary vaynerchuk and all that kind of stuff back in mm-hmm. 2009 going into 2010 and i burned out i tr- i was hustling i was grinding you know and i burned out and since then actually i've gotten to know gary pretty well and yes he's got this work ethic which is you know unhuman to a certain degree but yeah. but you can't take anything that he's experiencing away from him because he's living his wife, his his life his way, um, and I respect him for that. But I certainly want more than five hours sleep every night. I don't know about you, you know. Yeah, it's the same, and it it, it is. It's so true. I really, um, I really think like what somebody's definition of success is going to be very different for different very kinds different. of people, right? And it's even saying the right reasons or the wrong reasons. I mean, I have. I, I do have a strong opinion about ethics. I think sometimes that they're not looked at, and I think that there really are things that we do need to pay attention to to make sure we're not exploiting people, we're not taking advantage, right? We're not perpetuating, you know, injustice. I, all these things I think are really important. Mm-hmm. But 
um, people can have very different ways that they can choose to express themselves. And I think for me, one of the joys I've had, it's really interesting, you know, like at this stage, I, I tend to go every seven, eight, nine years, I go through a significant stage of change in what I've done, which is, you know, now coming into this new, new part of my own body of work and having the time to really just engage with the community, explore, peruse the questions, ask, really have time to bake on it, I feel like led me to a totally different place in terms of what I wanted to create. I kept saying everybody would show up. I talked to, you know, state senators and the mayor and I met with everybody on the street, just people walking down the street and people are like, so what, what is this place? You know, is it a co-working space? And I'd be like, no, is it an incubator? Nope. You know, and like, I just, I, I didn't really say what it was. So I'm sure they thought I was insane, but it felt really good to say, you know what? I actually don't know what it is. I'm kind of waiting to see what it tells me that it wants to be, you know, and really taking time to seep in is that thing I think that does lead to innovation. And that's the part that we miss when we just have our head down and it's like, okay, you can make it work this way. Here's the model. I could have just slammed it down. Why? I mean, Right. Why? Why? Exactly. God, so good. Pamela Slim, finally <laughs> just, she's she's on the show, and here she is just, <laughs> like, changing our lives, everybody. Um, I, I can't wait to follow along with this, actually. I think it's going to be incredibly well. Will you come back on the show before episode 500? And come yes, back <laughs> I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Please, 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 please. Yeah, yes. Good. And maybe okay. I can even visit you in the UK. I'd love that. Once that would be fantastic. The, the guest room is yours, my dear, whenever, whenever you want it. Excellent. It's yours. Um, all right. So, guys, you got you guys tuning in, PamelaSlim.com. Show notes, links, all that good stuff. ChrisDucker.com forward slash episode 256. Make sure you follow along with what Pam's uh, doing, what she's all about. And, you know, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Pick up Escape from Cubicle Nation because it's my favorite out of Pam's body of work. Or, you know, body of work is a pretty good book too, but it's my favorite. I'm, I'm going to say Escape is my favorite. I'm putting it on the That's record. Okay. I can take that. I'm, I'm very proud of Escape. I will say it won the best small business book of 2009 from 800 CEO Read. So that, that was a happy, you know, like newbie, newbie book writer. That was kind of a big a little feather wow. in my cap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Pam, thanks again for coming on. You're a diamond, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys tuning in, thank you. I often say that there are so, so many podcasts that you could be tuning into, but the fact that you're inserting me into your eardrums right now, literally, I am inside of you right now with Pamela today. I very much appreciate it, and I do not and will not ever take it for granted. You're great. I'll be back at you again next week. Until then, take good care. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today. I'll see you on the inside.